Hello, and welcome to Six Figure Authors, the show that helps you take your writing career to the next level. I'm Lindsay Baroker, and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Joe Lalo. And I'm Andrea Pearson. And this week, we are going to answer your questions on Amazon KDB Select and Kindle Unlimited versus going wide in all the bookstores. This is kind of a follow-up episode. Uh, back on 80, we kind of went over the pros and cons of everything there. And we're actually going to start out finishing up that episode, basically answering who each might be best for, whether it's a KDP select and exclusivity with Amazon or whether it's wide. And then we'll go into the questions that you guys asked us. And just to remind you again, if you do decide to do KDP select, it's not forever. It can just be for the three month and 90 day commitment. And honestly, I just emailed them because I had a, uh, I took my agents of the crown series out, which was a five book series and all five of the individual titles had come out. And I kind of left the box set rolling, you know, to the last minute basically, because that was making pretty good money on the page reads. And then I just emailed them halfway through the cycle and said, Hey, other books are out. Can I get this one out? And they're like, sure, you're out. So if you decide it's not for you, it seems like they're pretty open to letting you go out. So uh, we do recommend kind of picking a lane and staying in it for a while, whichever route you choose, because it it takes a while to kind of get anything rolling on either site for most people. And if you're in and out, in and out, it will drive the retailers nuts and your readers nuts. (laughs) But um, before we get into that, do you guys have any news that you'd like to share? Andrew, who is back from Hawaii this week... I'm back from Hawaii and I'm sad to be back, though I don't miss the bugs. <laughs> there's, there's bugs in Hawaii, guys. Yes, they're like 10 feet big. The tropics are serious. Bugs, the farther to the equator you go, they're different than the bugs we have up north. <laughs> no kidding, especially in the desert north, you know. Um, but our, our second, the state we... we the place we stayed in on Oahu, we were on the 31st floor. There were no bugs there, but the vacation rental we were in on the big island had geckos and uh, it was great. There were geckos running on the wall next to gecko decoration. <laughs> it was like, oh, they're like, they know where they're, where they belong. Anyway, I have no English skills today, so I'm going to be struggling apparently a lot. Um, okay. So yeah, we're back. That's, that was really good. It was great to refresh ourselves. It was the first time Nolan and I have been away from the kids together, uh, since we had kids. So that was really good. And it's gotten me really, you know, refreshed again, excited to get back into writing. Um, that said my, I'm seriously jet lagged still there three hours behind us. And then with daylight savings, daylight savings happened the weekend we came home. So I'm four hours off. So I've been falling asleep around two and three at night and then not waking. I mean, waking up when I'm supposed to wake up, but I've been seriously sleep deprived. And so writing has been very, it's been a struggle trying to get back into writing. Um, I've been doing it every day, but it's been like five minutes of dictating instead of my usual regular, you know, 15 to 20 minutes. Um, and then just trying to figure out, trying to remember what the characters were doing and all that. It's been fun. But um, I'm excited about it and starting to plan more for the launch of book one in the series. I'm trying to decide how much emphasis I want to put on it when I don't normally do big launches. And um, like I put a lot of emphasis on my last big launch and that one didn't do super well. And so I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I want to. Um, but I've got my reader magnet written. Uh, book two should be done in the next few days. And then I have no idea when I'll start releasing or if I'll do pre-orders. I'm just basically feeling my way through getting into writing and publishing again since it's been since April. So almost a full year now. Um, on another note, I just, this is something I've been thinking about. My brother was talking about this, um, about something that they, people do in like these software companies and all five of my brothers and my dad all work in software and only a couple of them don't do this. It's called, um, 
It's called a stand-up. And I think that's a really stupid term, but um, smaller startup companies do it. And it really helps with motivation and staying on task. And I'm wondering if implementing something similar in our schedules as authors would benefit us as much as it does the little startup companies that my brothers work for. So basically what it is, is members of the team get together for a quick meeting where they share accomplishments they did and made individually and as a team the day before. Then they tell what their goals are for the, the coming day, the day that they're in. And sometimes they give over updates on overall goals, like if they have a month-long goal or something. Um, and it helps to get their brains in the right spot and gives them some accountability and motivates them to accomplish more since they're only focusing on what they accomplished, not on what they failed to do. And that's basically how it's supposed to be done. Josh was actually telling me that half of their stand-ups are really beneficial and the other half is management uh, taking advantage of time. <laughs> so half of it's good and half of it's not. Um, but... I'm wondering how practical it would be to implement something like this with a trusted friend or associate. Um, we don't have teams, but we do have author friends and other people who want to be productive in our lives that we communicate with on a regular basis. And I, I'm kind of wanting to try it, but I don't think I would want to do it on a daily basis because I don't want to text people every day or, and I don't want to call somebody every day, but I'm thinking maybe once a week, um, like in my mastermind, you know, maybe on a Sunday say, Hey, this is what we did last week. This is what I did last week, accomplished last week. This is what I'm hoping to do this coming week. And cause we meet once a month, but, um, every month is, it makes it hard to stay focused as much. And so I'm like, there's gotta be like some mix between daily and monthly where that accountability is there and, and it increases our productivity. I don't know. What do you guys think? Um, I've not done much of that kind of thing, mastermind groups or anything like that. I do have my beta readers who are also friends. We're all always on a Twitter DM chat together. And I will often be like, cause they read all of my books and have, they've know things better than I do. Cause some of them have, they've had to read it more. Like I pay one gal to proofread my audio books. So she actually like remembers things that I've forgotten. Um, but uh, yeah, and I'll talk about stuff with them. Just like, sometimes it's just ranting. Sometimes it's nice to have that. And you know, they can do the same thing too. Uh, they we're all different lines of work, but we all have to have our little rant. And, uh, it's nice to have someone just kind of there and they'll like give you a heart or a thumbs up to acknowledge that you said something even, you know, and they just having listened to me so much, they kind of know, the business pretty well. They know what I'm talking about. If I'm like, man, my stupid Amazon ads are not covering the cost of this. Uh, these sales are not covering the cost of this ad. I'm going to cut it for this book. Uh, so it, I think it can be helpful, especially if you are, most of us are alone. <laughs> most of us are not, uh, you know, some people are lucky enough to have like a spouse or, you know, partner that is, uh, if not also a writer in the business or helping them out is, and, they can brainstorm with that person. But I think most of us are more like nobody in our real world lives really gets what it is we do all day. So I can see that. Yeah. And honestly, there's a thing I've been doing, which is similar, but also pathetically different. And that is, uh, I have started doing a, a couple of months ago, beginning of the year, really, I started doing a, a, a journal where I would like write down what I did yesterday, every morning. And you can really start to underscore whether you have been successful or unsuccessful in meeting your goals. If you have to go with like, what did I do yesterday? I don't remember doing anything yesterday. <laughs> so even being accountable to yourself is remarkably effective. Like I really, it has helped me to stay on track and keep me from, from uh, straying too far from my schedule. Are you done with your news, Andrea? So I go I'm into mine. <laughs> I think I think that's one of the reasons too that so many writers like keeping track of their word count because it's like a really visible, tangible way to see that like, oh, I accomplished this 
this day. You know, it can be a little vaguer when you're having like an admin day. You're like, oh, I answered five emails, I think. <laughs> it doesn't seem as special as like, oh, I made a 20th of the way through the book. Um, for my own news, uh, as I mentioned in the intro, I've just released my Agents of the Crown series wide. And I had this one in KU KDP Select longer than I'd intended. This came out in late 2018, this series. Uh, I was about ready to take it out a little over a year ago, but another series that I'd had a box set of made a lot of money just doing it as a 99 cent box set. Um, because I've talked about it before, it was like 2,500 pages or KENPC. And so it made over $10 for a full read. So I did that one with this too. And I let it run for about a year. I finally decided I really need to release something wide or those people are going to be not too happy. And there's always, that's one of the things we talked about in the first uh, half of this KU versus wide thing is that if you do have wide readers, they are going to notice that you're releasing books on Amazon and not releasing them in their store. Um, but so it's out now. And I went ahead and made book one free just because I've had that free off and on on Amazon, you know, using the KDP select free days. And I like to, these guys had to wait. So I like to give them a bit of a deal too. Plus I had the, the box set deals going on Amazon. So, uh, this time what I did not do is I did not make the box set available right away. I may even make it disappear on Amazon or make it $19.99 or something basically. So people won't buy it. Um, because last time I, I released all five books at the same time and the box set and not surprisingly, people were like, Oh, $9.99 box set is a way better deal than you know, five books at four ninety nine, obviously. So a lot of people just went straight through the box set, and I thought, well, I'm not ready for it to be a nine ninety nine box set wide. You know, since the books are just releasing, so everybody's going to get a more expensive box set for a while, or either that, or I just won't release it wide. Um, also, I finished the first epic fantasy. It's been almost through all the the typo hunters. It's almost ready to go. I have a map for it. Have the cover. I am my narrator is ready to get started on it next week. So I'm going to send it to her and I'm kind of, I'm not sure if I'm going to hold back till it's done because otherwise I want to end up releasing till May and it's mid-March now as we're recording this. I know I'm not going to rapid release this one, but it would be nice to have book two getting close to be ready to go. And um, of course, the audiobook of one, the audiobook should be about 15 hours since it's 150,000 words. So hopefully that one will do well because it'll appeal to the audible folks with the, the credit they want to get a good deal on. And, you know, I'm going to go wide with the audiobook as I've been doing lately. I'll probably throw it up on YouTube with the other ones. Um, not right away, but maybe when the full series is out or the first three. Uh, this one's taking me a little, it's going to take a little while to get through this series since I'm, uh, writing other things in between, which was not the original plan, but I think I mentioned last week or whenever my, my brain has rejected the idea of doing back to back many POVs and 150,000 word books. So doing shorter stuff in between. So I will also have a, a new sci-fi release coming in April. This will be a standalone book in my Star Kingdom universe. And I have no idea how it will do because it's new characters with kind of cameos of the old characters. So it could potentially, if new people pick it up, I'm hoping that, oh, I'm curious about it. these interesting side characters and maybe they'll want to jump into the eight book series <laughs> and, and learn more about them. But it could also be that because it's not about regular characters, the existing fans will be kind of like, yeah. I'm not sure if I need this. <laughs> these, these are not my favorite characters that are the heroes. So I don't have high expectations for that, but it also didn't take a long time to write. It was just kind of a nice, fun one to do in between the longer, more involved ones. I'll pass it to Joe for his news. 
I, uh, I finally stopped writing the first book of my new epic fantasy series as well. Uh, I, I can't say that I finished it because I technically finished it like a week and a half, almost two weeks ago, but I did a massive revision that added another 25,000 words to it. So it's up over 80,000 words now, which is still shorter than I'd intended for it to be, but it's a comfortable length to be starting off the new series, I feel, even though it's epic fantasy and, and I was shooting for 100,000. Um, there's a couple of good reasons why this entire process took longer than I expected. Uh, the big one is that my, uh, my older brother with whom I share a home had COVID-19. And, uh, so we were on hard lockdown for the past two weeks and I was helping take care of his son, my nephew, who also lives in the house. So it was a distracting, uh, week or so, two weeks, but whatever that's, that's done now. And I'm, I'm just going to be hyper fixating on every possible allergy or or tickle in my throat until <laughs> the entire process is run its course. I also got the edited uh, version of my Ready Player One inspired, inspired story uh, back, and uh, it's called Top Level Player. And I don't yet know what my plans are for it. It's definitely going to go to the patrons. But I hadn't, when I'd written it, I didn't actually intend on releasing it because it's got a lot of copyrighted stuff i mean like ready player one it's got a lot of characters that are pre-existing from other things but i upon going through the edit i realized that i could probably get away with changing one character's name and altering five or six sentences and it would take out everything that is potentially you know lawyer unfriendly so realizing that i might do this as a release this year which means i went from having maybe three releases this year to potentially five releases with three within the same two month period. So the second half of my year is going to get rearranged in terms of release order, just to give enough breathing room for all these to have their own launch. All right. Sounds good. I was just thinking I'm not going to have nearly as many releases this year as I did last year because I'm doing these longer books and kind of jumping around in between them, but that's okay. If it's a horrible year income-wise, next year I'll have a new plan. <laughs> Go back to 80,000-word urban fantasies. All right. So, but let's jump into the topic or finishing up the topic, I guess. Uh, as I said in the intro, we're going to briefly go through who Kindle Unlimited, KDP Select, Amazon Exclusivity might be best for, and then who wide or hybrid might be best for. Uh, so I'll read a couple. Andrea's got a couple. Then Joe's got a couple. So who might KU be best for? KDP Select exclusivity, just to be clear, <laughs> you have to be that to be in KU. Um, so basically people who are beginning and are daunted by the idea of publishing and marketing books in numerous stores and want to learn the ropes. Um, though I, I personally think it's easier to go from wide to KU. No, that's a lie. I wrote down the wrong thing in my notes. I think it's easier to go from KU, KDP Select to wide rather than the other way around. And we have some questions about that later. So if you are thinking of trying it, probably try it first. And then if it's not really doing much for you, jump over to wide. Um, not to say you can't start out wide. There's nothing wrong with that either. It's just we talked about in the last show how there are. It is a little easier to rank and gain visibility if you are in the program uh, versus if you're not. Uh, and also, who, who else would be good for people who have tried both, like I did, and on, found that they make more money by having their books in KU. And not just make more money, but get more readers, which is always kind of what we want as authors. Um, this is one where if, you know, if somebody asked me, uh, I'd probably suggest trying it both ways. Like, not necessarily going in and out from quarter to quarter, because like I said, that 
really kills the momentum in anything you're building in either store. But um, maybe you want to try wide for a year, like if you're starting out or with one series, you know, you don't, there's nothing that says you have to be all in uh, both ways. And just kind of compare and see how it does for you. It's going to be different for different people, uh, depending on the genre you're writing in. And, you know, we've talked about before, sometimes for some reason, you just have a series that takes off on one of the stores. And you'll never know that if, if you were always just only with Amazon. And if you do have something take off on Apple or Barnes & Noble, whatever it happens to be, you know, that's the kind of thing early on that can really make a huge difference. You can, can go from making, you know, $100 a month or dozens of dollars a month to maybe four figures a month and that becomes some serious money and worth considering. All right, Andrea, I'll pass it to you as I after now that I'm done stumbling over things I wrote down three weeks ago and have since forgotten what I wrote. Yeah, I'm like, okay, we are talking about KU. All right. Okay, so KU might be better for people who are able to release frequently um, because KU favors frequent releases. Releasing slowly also doesn't help you take advantage of that new release boost. Um, and then I would say KU is for people who have insane lives. My life is calming down now. Oh my goodness. I better, I'm going to cry. I'm going to knock on wood. <laughs> things have been going really well lately. Um, but being in Kindle Unlimited, I know things are going to go crazy again. Cause I mean, we're insane. We want to try for a girl. I really want another girl, but that's like a year away. So anyway, sorry. I told you I'm going to be like word vomiting today. Lindsay. <laughs> so anyway, um, so like life, goes like this. When you have little kids, it's really, really hard to keep up with things. And I love being wide, but being in Kindle Unlimited has helped a lot with keeping my, my insane life more, um, simple. So it simplifies things a great deal to only need to work around, around one retailer. And then people who write some, some sub genres of romance and fantasy might actually want to be in Kindle Unlimited, even if it goes against everything you believe in, even if against it goes against your religion and all of that. Um, some books just do better in Kindle Unlimited and some genres, you know? So my books in those, in these genres have done better in Kindle Unlimited than they have wide. So urban fantasy, romance. Um, anyway, other than the Mosaic Chronicles, that one has done well in wide and both in Kindle Unlimited, but that one is definitely not written to market. It's got a lot of horror elements and it's very contemporary fantasy mixed with a bunch of other stuff, but it's done well both in Kindle Unlimited and wide. Anyway, so I did some research, just looked things up, but the top 50 books for mystery, thriller, children's, and romance were split about 50-50 for Kindle Limited and non-Kindle Limited, Kindle, and whatever, KU. Fantasy had the highest number of books in KU, and it was three-fourths of them, and sci-fi and teen were around two-thirds. So just kind of see what authors around you are doing, and then just recognize that your genre might be better served in Kindle Limited than it, it is wide. Some other people who might uh, favor KU are people who like to do like periodic major promos as opposed to low slow promos because KU gives you access to free days and also to you can obviously do free if you're wide, but you really can't plan a promo around something going free because it requires price match. Um, but when you're in KU, you can do uh, scheduled free days or you can do the uh, countdown deals so again if you're the kind of person who likes to have big event style promos then ku can really help you out with that uh and you get additional benefits with the uh, kindle countdown deal because of the 70 percent royalty on something that's less than the 299 
And also, similar to what uh, Andrew was saying, uh, if you just want to focus on a single target, like we talk a lot about the various other benefits of just being on Amazon, but if you're just on Amazon, you're just on Amazon. So you only have to learn the ins and outs of Amazon. You only have to keep track of sales and, and stuff on Amazon. You don't have to figure out how well things are performing. You only have to figure out the, you know, the algorithms. Uh, it just simplifies everything to be in one location. It's just a single target to learn the ropes. And then maybe you can expand later. But uh, yeah, like if you, if you find it daunting to have to learn a whole bunch of different storefronts, I mean, there are even some very minor uh, formatting differences that you might run into uh, on different places. So having a single place to, to focus your efforts can really make it an easier introduction to, uh, to publishing. Right. And we should point out, because somebody will be thinking this, that if you are daunted by getting into all the, you know, uploading directly to all the stores, of course, you can go through one of the distributors, uh, like Draft to Digital is a real popular one, and Smashwords is still around too. Um, you do lose a good chunk of the money that way. I actually didn't realize how much it was, how much of a cut they took until I was uploading recently, just recently on a $4.99 book. I was going to get $2.97 from Apple through the distributor versus about $3.50 or $3.47 or something like that if I go direct. So that's 50 cents on each book. So that's not insignificant. So that's something to weigh if you're deciding, oh, distributor or deal with Apple and the other stores, but you know, on your own. So who might wide slash hybrid be best for? And for this one, I would say people who are transitioning to doing this as a full-time career and will need the money to pay the bills and don't want to be at the whim of one store. Now, if you're making crazy money with Amazon KDP Select and you're socking that aside and you're not worried about having, you know, an emergency stash, that's fine. I'm <laughs> no judgment. Like I said, well, I stick, I release everything into KDP Select because it's made such a difference uh, for the launches and, and for sticking around and making decent money on a new series even well after the launches. But if you're, you know, if it's just kind of like you're making about what you need each month, that can be a little nerve wracking if you're depending only on, on one source of income. It's just like if you have a job and you lose the job, you're kind of in, in a bad situation. So it's, it is nice. It is comforting to get income from lots of different places. Um, also, obviously, if you're someone who objects to Amazon's policies or have an ethical problem with the way they do business um, and you don't want to be exclusive with them, perf you know, makes perfect sense. Although I've seen people take that to the extreme and just say they're not putting anything at all in Amazon store. Um, that's up to you, but that is a large portion of the ebook market, uh, especially in the US, but they have a pretty good presence in the UK and, and Europe, Australia to get in there in Canada and some of the other smaller stores. So uh, it is potentially losing a lot of sales. And yes, you can sell things direct on your site. We just talked about that, but it's always harder to get people to your site, right? It's a, there's a, a lot of people already on Amazon. It's kind of like selling stuff on eBay versus out of the garage in front of your house. You're probably going to find a lot more people on eBay already they're looking for things. Um, last one is just people who write in genres other than romance or urban fantasy or some of the ones that are kind of known to be to do well in KU or to have a lot of KU subscribers. Um, there's a question about this later on, so I won't go too, too into it. But if you know that your genre is like historical fiction is one I've heard that uh, doesn't have a whole lot of KU subscribers, maybe because the books are so big, people don't read that many of them a of a month necessarily. Uh, read that many of them in a month necessarily. Um, and that may be one genre where it's just better to be wide and be in all the stores and not worrying about uh, KU subscribers. 
I'll pass it to Andrea for a few more. Okay, so um, uh, okay, so who might wide and hybrid B four wide hybrid? Yes, B four. Um, those who are working a job and don't mind taking the longer route. So you you've got like five ten years because you've got a full income coming in and maybe you don't absolutely hate your job or maybe you do and you want to get out, but you're not in a huge hurry. Um, and you can afford to uh, wait a little bit for things wide to, to grow. Um, and though, and then those who aren't able to release frequently and you might as well take advantage of the slow growth offered by the other retailers. And if that's you, make sure you're running regular promotions. I would say at least once a month on every book in your series, not every book in your series, every book number one, um, if you're first starting out and then once a month on a book in your series. So just run something once a month. And then last, those who have merchandisers or on other platforms or connections with non Amazon stores. And I think that was kind of like a no brainer. Like if you got an in, then you might want to stay wide, which I had an in and I didn't stay wide. So don't take my advice. <laughs> Apparently. Some other people, um, if you started wide and you have a substantial audience wide, then you might want to stay wide because, uh, like if you're making 40 to 60% of your money elsewhere, you're very likely to make more than 40 for 60, 40 or 60% more on Amazon, but, uh, from, from the KU, but you will be abandoning a large subset of your audience. And that can be a, a concern for you. Uh, it certainly is for me, which is why I added that as an entry. Uh, also people interested in like maximum market availability, even if it means less overall sales, some people just want to have their stuff available in every potential location. Uh, maybe for the reason, like Lindsay said, where you want to have, you know, more baskets for your eggs, or maybe it's just, you know, it's more, you're, you're more interested in, in, uh, maximum potential sales than maximum actual sales. Like you just, you, you want to create a situation where anybody who wants your book can get it, then why is really the only way you're going to achieve that? All right. And with that, we will go into the questions, you guys. Thank you for submitting them to the Facebook group. Uh, TW says, in part one of KU versus Wide, episode 80, Lindsay mentioned she often starts a series in KU and then takes it wide. What is your launch pr process and pricing strategy for taking the series wide? Do you put the whole thing out at once on the other retailers or release a few and put the rest on pre-order? Do you do perma-free or 99 cent book one? Lastly, do you have any suggestions on trying to get promotions for the other vendors. And uh, I will go ahead and let Andrea chime in before I try to answer those two. That's because I put my answer in. <laughs> you just shoved it right in there at the top. <laughs> hey, I was the first one to the document for the first time in months. <laughs> okay. Um, and like I said, in my answer here, I know this is geared to Lindsay, but I'm going to share what I've done anyway, um, just because I think it might be beneficial to somebody who is listening maybe who did not answer the question, ask the question, whatever. Um, so I've tried a bunch of different things when I've moved my series from Kindle Unlimited to wide. I've been doing that for four or five years. I did it for four or five years. So I would take it publish in Kindle Unlimited, then I'd move it wide. And I tried a whole bunch of different things. Um, I tried for a rapid release. So one every single month and I did pre-orders. So rapid release one every month again, but with pre-orders and I had them all set up in the start from the beginning. And I'm going to say I saw zero difference in how well the books did when I released them all at once versus one at a time. Oh, and also all at once. <laughs> Sorry, skip that in my answer. So 
I, I saw no difference in releasing them all at once versus one at a time. Um, my merchandiser even told me that things don't work the same as they do on Amazon. So doing rapid release wasn't as beneficial. He was like, it just takes a long time for people in the wide stores to move to a new series. And so he's like, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you can do it whatever you want. You can wait a while. He recommended pre-orders over a long period of time, not rapidly released. Um, so pre-orders did increase for later books and series when I, when I was doing the pre-orders, but I wouldn't say it outweighed the number of downloads I got when I launched all at once. And so it, it was, I don't know, sixes, whatever the saying is as for price and strategy, I, I do the same thing almost every single time. First book free, second book, either full price, full price right now is $4.99 for me or something lower than that. And then all the rest of the books free. No, all of the rest of the books, full price. <laughs> my notes were wrong. Don't read my notes. <laughs> Especially since we all did these, answered these a while ago before we actually recorded. Um, so to answer this, I, I guess I already touched on this a little bit when I was talking about my new series that I just put wide. And I'm honestly a little lazy about this. I think I talked about this last time too. Uh, I'm usually launching something new in KU at the same time that's more of a focus. And it just becomes too much to think about like releases for two different series at the same time. So I just put everything out at once when I go wide for that series. I kind of wait for everything to come out of KU, you know, KDP select, um, so that I can just put them all out there together. Um, I, you could do pre-orders. I do feel a little bit like they've already waited so long for it. I want to just give it to them once I decide to do it. Now, if I was not going from KDP select to wide, if I was just releasing a new series wide, I would definitely do the normal thing and stagger the releases. I think I talked about this the last time we discussed this, just the fact that over time you gather more readers each time you release something new, it's a chance for somebody new that's browsing the store at that time to be able to like see it and go, Oh, Hey, I'm going to check out book one of this series. Uh, so I, I believe in uh, not necessarily holding back, especially because you're not making money on your books if they're just sitting on your hard drive. You might as well start releasing them unless you write really quickly, you know, and you can do two, three novels in two, three months. That's kind of who I think the rapid release or release a bunch at once is more, you know, geared for. Um, I released, I don't necessarily keep every perma free book one on all of my smaller series. They're kind of, I have two, eight books, three, eight book series. I think where I always have book one free. Then I kind of cycle and have something book one free and and like a four book series and a five book series. Uh, And I'm starting off this new series wide. I haven't released anything wide in almost a year. So you definitely see the income dwindling downward. I haven't done a lot of sales. I haven't gotten any book bubs recently or anything like that. I'm kind of pleased that the stuff continues to sell at all considering. Um, but so yeah, I decided like, Hey, give it to them for free and, uh, send it out to my newsletter. It is kind of a chance to, to launch all over again with that older series. And of course I, well, I'm still waiting for Amazon to price match it for free. So I shouldn't say it's free there too, but it will be free there for a while also. Uh, you know, and later on I'll make something else free and may probably make that first book one, two ninety nine uh, or 99 cents. We'll see. Uh, I think that, Oh, as far as, uh, I, I did say I'm holding back on the box set this time. If you have one because you made one while you were in KDP Select, you know, like I said last time I learned, probably not a good idea to put that out at the same time as the series uh, on all the sites. So, and if you want to be fair, it's probably a good idea to either unpublish it on Amazon or, like I said, put it up to like 19.99, which is basically the same price as the individual books or, or pretty close to it. Um, so for promotions, you know. Um, 
think we're going to talk about this a little bit more later, but as far as getting promotions on the other vendors, uh, we've talked about how Kobo actually has them that you can apply for. Just pop into their, uh, I think they, everybody has a promotions tab now, or if you don't have it, you can write to them at Kobo Writing Life and get it. Uh, for the other stores, if you can go to the conferences, it's usually just a matter of showing up at their like 15 minute or hour meet and greet and putting your name on a mailing list. It's not like you have to schmooze anybody or buy them a drink or anything. Uh, and that's usually gets you, you know, kind of on their radar and get you some opportunities. So if you see one of the conferences in your area, once, uh, once we're all vaccinated and, and conferences are once again a thing, let's hope, um, then that's a thing. And of course, uh, most of the sponsorship sites like eReader News Today, uh, BookBub, if you can get it, uh, Free Booksy, Bargain Booksy, they allow you to put in links for all the stores, not just Amazon uh, for the most part. So I think I tried to hit on everything there. Joe, do you have any thoughts on this one? No, not much. Uh, I've only taken two of my books from KU to wide. So I don't really have any series uh, procedures, but uh, the timing of, of taking them from KU to wide had to do with, in one case, uh, I just left it in uh, for one cycle, uh, just, just to try it and then pulled it out because it was not making much of a splash. And the other one did a little bit better and I pulled it out once uh, the, the page read started to taper off. Just so, you know, standard when it made economic sense is when I chose to pull it out and then just released it wide as though it was a regular uh, launch, which is well, what I would call a minimal launch or, or a non-main launch where uh, I, you know, hit the social media newsletter and maybe one paid promotion site rather than doing a big, a big deal about it. Okay, the next question is from Rick. He says, regarding marketing wide, which platforms do you market on? Do you just use Facebook or do you advertise on the individual platforms or are there other strategies? And um, my answer is the only wide marketing I do is through the usual websites. So like BookBub, ENT, Book Barbarian, Robin Reads, um, things like that. I've tried BookBub ads on the different retailers, but never mastered it. I did Facebook ads a ton, like a lot a few years ago and saw some success, meaning, um, people downloaded, but I lost money on the first book. And, um, I'm pretty sure I lost money just in general because my clicks were like a dollar, but I was getting a lot of downloads, just a dollar per click guys. It was really stupid. Um, maybe 75 cents a click. Um, anyway, so I didn't keep track of the sell through because I'm a great businesswoman, <laughs> but I mean, my goal with that was to just see if I could build a wide audience, not necessarily to make money, which, you know, you should probably be making money because if you're having a low cost per click, then that means you're going to reach more people. Um, anyway, I stopped doing them because of how much time it took to monitor all the different locations and retailers and ads and all of that. Um, I do prefer running regular promotions through those websites that I mentioned instead of doing pay-per-click ads when I'm advertising to other platforms. My Facebook ads that go to Amazon really just perform the best. And so um, I'd rather just rely on, on the other companies to know what they're doing already. Uh, broadly, my uh, my tactics are the same. I have... I've. Uh... I have done some Facebook ads to non-Amazon locations, and I did okay. But uh, likewise, I, I got tired of chasing after them. Like overall, my maintenance advertising, just ongoing advertising, is pretty lackluster. Something that I'm perpetually planning on changing. 
But uh, I've also on occasion just dumped extra money into Amazon ads because there's always a very small overflow and interest uh, and traffic from successful Amazon push to the other stores too, because it just, it's a, it's a visibility thing. It's not enough to count on, but lots of people who buy their books on Google or Apple still buy everything else on Amazon. And so if your book becomes more visible on Amazon and just starts showing up in the recommendation engine, just because, you know, of the various ways in which Amazon knows what else you're buying. Uh, they'll see the cover of your book. They'll see it's got lots of reviews. They'll see it's highly ranked and maybe they'll go back to the other place and buy it too. Like I say, I wouldn't just use that as my primary method for advertising on other sites, but don't forget that it is still, you know, one of the many things in the, in the formula that leads to sales on another site. That's kind of an interesting point, and it's probably true. I wonder how many people are just browsing on Amazon for their toilet paper, you know, and like see the book stuff too because they're book people, and then go buy it at another store. I'm sort of the opposite in that I have all of the Apple products. Like, I think the watch is the only thing I don't have. I have like everything, multiples <laughs> of some things, but I have the Kindle app and I buy on Amazon. And I, I just, I've grab it. I, I don't want to rant too much about Apple, but I don't think the software, so not software, but. Whatever you call it, digital streaming, that stuff, I don't enjoy that shopping experience at all for uh, video, music, anything anymore. When everything was on iTunes, it was much better. But um, yeah, little rant there. So you would definitely get me, even though I'm an Apple person with iOS stuff, you would need to send me Amazon ads. Um, I think Fussy Librarian and Free Booksy, Bargain Booksy, Written Word Media runs those ones. Are the only ones that Andrea didn't mention that I also use. Um, I'm also not good at BookBub, the pay-per-click ads or the CPM ads, whatever you want them to be. And so I don't really bother outside of launches. Even lately, I've been giving up on them early when it comes to launches. I just can't get it down there to like, I can't, you know, I've read David Gogren's book and I was just like, I just do not want to spend this much time screwing around with graphics. And I've tried to have other people make them and there's have there's usually do worse than like the one you just make in their little wizard. I'm like, ah, it's not working for me. So, but I have tried, um, with BookBub, you can target like Apple Australia, you know, you can get really granular. The thing is you have to make sure and turn off like Amazon US and probably Amazon UK and Amazon everything. And just, cause otherwise your money will all get spent. It seems like the most of their readers are on Amazon, even though they prefer wide, uh, books that are wide when they make their selections. It's just uh, a lot of people are clicking on the Amazon ads versus the ones through the other stores. So make sure you uh, turn those off if you give them a shot. Um, I mainly rely on my newsletter, the free book one. And I'm, this is not to say that all you have to do is make book one free. You still have to drive traffic to it, but it's just easier. Uh, it's an easier sell. It's easier to get something to try something that's free. They don't have to take out their credit card. They don't have to read the sample and decide first, you know, and forget about it maybe because they've decided to try the sample instead of buying. Most people just are going to take the click, you know, click and take it. Um, you know, like I said, the sponsorship sites don't seem to be as good as they used to be, but I still like them more than pay-per-click stuff when it comes to, especially a free book one. It just, it's like Andrew was saying, if you're paying a dollar a click to get somebody to download a free book, that's, that's pretty steep there. Um, I do use Facebook, um, but I mostly do. Uh, usually with a, when I launch a new series, I'll actually put together some legit ads. I have them running on a page that's not my author page, just because I feel like less of a dweeb saying this excellent book that if you are a fan of this author, you will be a fan of this author. I have a hard time saying that as myself. So I, I took whoever's advice that was to make the fake page. Um, but for myself, I find it very effective to do, uh, 
to mention my free books, like every once a quarter or so, I actually need to do this. I haven't done this for a while. Just kind of go through a post with a whole bunch of like, Hey, these are all my free fantasy books right now. And I'll, I'll link to them with books to read links so that they go to all the stores or, you know, people click it and can go to whichever store they want. And I will boost those. And the reason those work so well for me is my fans boost them too. I've Facebook's kind of the one thing, the page is the one thing I reliably do several times a week. I post stuff. So I have a pretty good interaction with my readers there. And a lot of people will share, like I just made a new 99 cent box set, ton of shares on that, ton of shares on the free ones. Um, whereas, you know, maybe you'll get a few shares on a new book released at four ninety nine, but a new, an opportunity for a sale and a series they know and like, they want to share it with other people. And that's like the best marketing you can get. Like I'm paying for the boosted post too, but you know, I'll see how many people shared it. And it's like, wow, that's amazing that, um, I feel honored that so many people are like trying to tell their friends, Hey, check out these books. These ones are free. So does, that's, I guess the advertising that I do. All right. The, uh, the next question we have is from Amanda. Uh, I've seen some authors go into KU for a period of time, then go wide, then back to KU, rinse and repeat. Have any of you tried this? What are the pros and cons? So I would have to say that the cons are pretty much everything <laughs> and the pros. Um, you feel like you're being proactive while you're actually ruining things for yourself. I know that it's really, really tempting to to try, you know, grass is greener and go over there and try it and see how it goes for you. But going back and forth and back and forth is going to burn a lot of bridges for you. Um, I don't recommend doing that. It doesn't matter as much if you go in and out of KU. So like if your books are only on Amazon and sometimes you're in Kindle Limited and sometimes you're not, but it really bothers other retailers to hop in and out of their stores. Uh, it'll, it guarantees they'll never run your books in future promotions. Um, so if you want to go back wide again, it ruins your chances of, of actually being very successful there. And it annoys and confuses wide readers and it's a waste of time. I mean, it just takes so much time to upload and download and unpublish and publish. And there's so many other things you could put that energy toward. Right. You're going to not make the retailers happy because they will tell you if you ever meet them at conferences, they're like, oh yeah, readers ask us all the time. I was like reading this series and all of a sudden book three was gone and I was screwed. And they're like, why is the author? Like they blame the retailers, which so it must be really hard for those guys when um, obviously it's our decision. Although I will be quick to point out that Amazon requires exclusivity for KU. Whenever somebody asks me, why are you not in KU? I'm like, why don't I, I don't want to be exclusive with Amazon. So maybe you should email Amazon about that because authors would probably be happy to be in KU if they didn't have that requirement. Um, so I think the best thing, the best way to do it if you want to kind of do both is to start in KDP Select. Then eventually, whenever you find that it's just not working for you, you know, try the countdown deals, try the free days first, run some promos. If it's just not seeming like you're getting a lot out of being in there, then maybe that's the time to try going wide and thinking permanently wide so that you're not yanking books uh, when people are in the middle of reading them. You're not you know, causing any bad uh, vibes from the retailers, from the very people who we've talked about. It might be nice if uh, you got on their radar for promos and things. Um, you're also most likely to get the most out of KU, that kind of that advantage of um, having the borrows kind of sales as far as the bestseller rankings go, as far as being in those top 100 charts around the time when you're launching a new book. 
you're going to be putting a lot of effort in promoting it then. You may get a little boost from Amazon because it is a new release, or at the very least, it's not being dragged down by a history of low sales, which is something you kind of have to overcome when you do a promo on a book that hasn't been selling very well for a time. So it's just going to be easier to get that extra ability, extra visibility and get the KU borrows on a new book when um, you're putting all your effort into it. I've, I've heard of people getting a little bit of a bump when they go from wide to KU, but I don't think I've seen that many people like, oh, I put it in KDP Select and that was a magical bullet that made everything blow up. It's more like, oh, I got a little bump for a little while. And then, you know, after a while, it kind of settles back down to the norm. So that's my thoughts on that. Uh, unless you're doing some really long innings for both KU and wide, I think this is a lot of work and a lot of potential confusion for not a lot of gain. On the pro side, you're, you'll get to talk about the MOOC. Like, it will be a major event, and any major event is a promotional opportunity for your newsletter and social media. But chances are this will only have a measurable effect if your audience has grown significantly since the last time you did it with a, a specific book. Otherwise, everyone who was interested in it will have gotten it through the various other ways. Uh, if it could be proved that the algorithm gives a gigantic boost to to uh, books that freshly re-entered KU, and that's the, the key thing here is re-entered. Like, certainly when you first release a book on Amazon, we know that, that, they, that there's, you know, the 30-day thing that everyone talks about. But if you were in KU in the past and then go back into KU, like, I don't know that there's ever been a strong argument made that that's going to cause a, a, a distinct bump every time it happens. Um, on the con side, uh, you frustrate people who are in KU who are used to reading your books in KU and then can't because it went wide, or you'll frustrate people who were wide who can't get your books at all because they're no, you're no longer on their site. They'd have to move over to another store that they're not accustomed to using. Plus, there's the constant whack-a-mole of knocking down books wide. Like it's it's better these days, but there's every single time you go from wide to KU, you have the opportunity to forget a book or for a book to linger a little too long, and then you violate you know Amazon's uh, uh, exclusivity thing, and then you don't have books available anywhere because they knocked your books off of, of Amazon as well. So. Anything you can do to, to keep down the likelihood that you're going to violate a term of service is probably a good idea. So I just wouldn't recommend going back and forth. Uh, I wouldn't recommend more than one transition in a book's lifetime. Right. Just publish a new series if you're uh, if you want to try something new. Uh, Brandon asks or says, I would love to see if a book's primary genre impacts success wide versus KU for new authors. Um, I would assume genre can impact success. Some books do much better in KU while others do better wide. I would say it depends on the genre, but within those genres, you'll find all sorts of exceptions. Like we said earlier, urban fantasy does better in Kindle Limited for most authors and same with romance, but there are a lot of authors who've done better in those genres wide than in Kindle Unlimited. Um, I would say this probably falls under the your mileage may vary thing. Right. I think there are actually probably fairly few genres where Kindle Unlimited doesn't help, uh, assuming you have enough of a reader base uh, th to get enough sales and, and kind of get up there and get some more organic reach in addition to uh, whatever you do through advertising. But I've certainly heard people say, as I said earlier, um, historical fiction may be one where people aren't, you know, they're not KU subscribers necessarily, and they may be willing to drop $9.99 for a book because that's kind of what they're used to in that genre. On the flip side, I've heard from sci-fi, military sci-fi slash space shopper folks that say those books don't really do that well wide and they do super well in KU. Um, I don't know if that's 
if I agree with that, I, I have a theory, you know, a space opera series that's wide that's uh, gotten quite a few readers. Um, but what I would recommend is when you're kind of making this decision and getting ready to publish is go to the top 100 digital on Amazon for your category and see how many books are in KU or see how many books are not in Kindle Unlimited and are not traditionally published. Because as indies, it's hard to compare with the big traditional guys that kind of dominate the charts. But ask yourself, you know, the rest of the books, are there are there a lot of indies who are not in Kindle Unlimited and are doing pretty well in that genre? That could be an indicator that KU isn't as much of a help there. But if you kind of look at your genre, I remember looking at Urban Fantasy when I was going to do my launch and checking. It was like every single indie in the top 100 was in KU. So realize in that kind of case, it's going to be that much harder to do well and get as much organic reach if you're not in KU. I think the two factors that are going to weigh most heavily in a distinct difference in success uh, of a genre on KU versus uh, wide are the length of the books and the budget consciousness of the audience. So long books do better financially on KU because uh, potentially the page reads will earn you more than a purchase. Uh, so obviously a, a big long book, I should say a genre that, that's accustomed to having very long books, it's probably going to be a bigger earner on KU than, than not on KU. And likewise, uh, we talk about how romance tends to do very well in KU. Romance readers are sort of notorious for having ravenous appetites. And so reading can be kind of an expensive habit for them. And KU makes it a very budget friendly idea where you, you throw down 10 bucks, regardless of how many books you read. So people who read huge amounts of books are going to probably be preferentially shopping in subscription-based places. So the type of genre that has audiences like that uh, are, are probably going to do better in KU than wide, again, distinctly. Uh, so I would say in terms of main genre, it's not to do with specifically the genre, but just the structure of the book and the type of buyer. Okay, our next question is from Marks. Uh, have you noticed any difference with best price points comparing wide to KU? I suspect if there is any difference that you have to have a, a lower sell price in Amazon if the book is in KU, but I have no clue if that is true. And I, I'm going to answer first just really quickly. I haven't messed around too much with prices, but I've heard repeatedly that iTunes readers handle higher prices better than Amazon readers. Same with other regions like Australia, Canada, etc. I likewise have heard that both iTunes and Kobo have uh, uh, pockets of shoppers that are more willing to pay higher prices for their books. And thanks to Google's history of having its books wholesale instead of agent priced, uh, people who buy books there are accustomed to at least seeing a higher price, uh, like a higher list price, which is almost always discounted to some degree. So chances are, you know, they'll be willing to pay higher prices there too. Although recent changes have made that less of a, of a pronounced difference. Uh, but this, this is more to tell you like where your book is likely to sell more copies at a given price, with the exception of the aforementioned wholesale pricing, which required you to bump the price of your book to avoid Amazon price matching to something below their uh, their 70% threshold. You should be pricing the same everywhere. Like uh, If you can do a single site, you can do single site limited time price discounts, particularly if those are with coupon codes. Smashwords likes to do those. Uh, but all overall, like don't when, when you hear advice about where higher price things sell better, that's not to mean that you should sell them at a higher price there and a lower price everywhere else. You just, we're just talking about when that's the price of the book. 
Yeah, I was actually listening to Mark Lefebvre, Mark Lefebvre, sorry, Mark, I can say your name, really, um, his Stark Reflections podcast recently. And he, I think he mentioned in there that most of the stores have in their terms of service that you basically can't sell your ebooks lower priced elsewhere. Um, it may be that those stores are not, don't have Amazon's zealous bots and aren't going to catch you and send you the nastograms that Amazon will send you if they find your book lower priced elsewhere. But yeah, I think it's a good policy to uh, sell them same price across the board. The exception, like with uh, Kobo and Apple and those stores, uh, the ones that will don't have the cutoff at nine ninety nine for the seventy um, percent royalty. In that case, like the box sets, you could go for the nineteen ninety nine box set. It makes a lot more sense on Kobo because they're going to give you the the seventy percent instead of cutting it in half. So that may be where a way, like maybe you don't do that box set at all on Amazon. Maybe you just have that nineteen ninety nine set or a complete series set or something uh, on those other stores where you can get the seventy percent. As far as pricing on Amazon, it's actually the opposite of what you would think. I have certainly noticed that all the top 100s, all the indie books have gone up in price in the years that since KU has been a thing. Um, basically because all the price conscious people are now can own limited subscribers. And that, then you have the people left that are willing to pay $4.99 or $5.99 for the book. So if your book is in KU, you can probably sell it for more than if it's not and not take a hit because the people, like I said, who are price sensitive have the KU subscription most likely. All right, passing it to Joe for the next question. All right, Liz says, uh, I'd be very interested in some numbers around how much of your audience continues to buy your books after you leave exclusive and end up going wide. I know there are differing, differing anecdotes and beliefs, and my gut feeling is that it is really only the diehard core fans who will, but it would be nice to know that for sure. So I'm going to assume, assume you mean permanently going from exclusive to wide because your diehard fans are going to buy the book on release week, not two years later, if that makes sense. So whatever you do with pricing KU wide after, after the book has been out for a while, it doesn't have anything to do with your core readers, diehard fans. Um, but when deciding if you should do it, you'll kind of have to look at like right now, if you're exclusive with Amazon, just pop in there and see how many people, how many sales are you getting? You know, grab the the page count K E N P C and you know divide it and figure out how many people are reading. You know, buy how many people are borrowing it versus how many people are buying it, basically. Um, so you're probably just gonna it's probably gonna be about the same sales as it was before. It may even be less because remember you could be getting more visibility because you're in KU, um, so you may be ranking better. So your sales may drop off even from that if if you leave it. So that's just something to be aware of. Um, you might get some KU people that buy the books if they're no longer available in KU, but to be safe, you should just assume that they won't, that they are enjoying getting content that's included in their subscription. If you become somebody's favorite author and your prices are reasonable, they may continue to buy their work. You know, that's going to be like, you will have gotten emails and interaction from these people before because they'll say they, they'll email you and say like, thank you a lot of the time or, you know, if you are just like an okay for me author for them, you will likely lose those people. So that's something to consider. So it's kind of hard to tell until you actually do it, how many people fall in that stuff. But remember, your, your diehard people bought it already. Uh, so this is not, there's really no consideration with your core fans, diehard people when you make this decision. Is will new people or people who are coming to like your backlist who find you later on, will they make that choice and purchase uh, if the option to borrow is no longer available? Uh, can't really add too much here. Uh, my KU versus wide comparative numbers are extremely limited. So very little additional light to be shed from my experiences. 
And for me, I don't, I'm yeah, Joe, same with Joe. I don't have a lot of data on this since my fans have a chance to buy all my books through KU first, like what Lindsay was saying, or all of them when I go wide. Um, on the other hand, I know I've had a bunch of diehard fans switch to buying through Amazon when I moved all of my books, all of my main books to Kindle Unlimited. So your diehard fans will, will follow you wherever you go. Um, not necessarily regular fans, but yeah, they'll have plenty of chances to download books. All right. Next question is from Camelia. The general wisdom is that KU readers are not loyal and won't buy your books at full price. Do you find that to be true? Also, are they dead weight on your newsletter? And do you try to separate them in any way? This is not related to KU, but if it's not too personal a question, could you share the size of your newsletters? Thanks. I love your show. It's my favorite podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Favorite podcast for me too. <laughs> just kidding. You're not allowed to say that. <laughs> I'm not allowed to say that. I have a lot of favorite podcasts. I'm still waiting for Simon Whistler to start podcasting for authors again. I know he's doing his own things, but whatever. Okay. Anyway, so I would definitely argue that reading through Kindle Limited and not buying doesn't make a reader unloyal. Um, libraries are even more free than KU. And as a kid, I read every single Nancy Drew book ever written and published. And I was absolutely devastated to learn that they weren't written by the, by the same person. <laughs> um, I honestly don't care if readers only read for Kindle Unlimited. I get compensated either way. Uh, I do have diehard fans who download via KU and then go on to buy. They're definitely not dead weight though. Of course they read my books and I get money for it. And referring to people who only download in Kindle Unlimited again, they're, they, I get paid for what they download. So my current fantasy newsletter is about, um, 6,000, $6,000. 6,000 subscribers. I don't know. It might be 6,500, 6,700. I don't know, but it's been as high as 30,000 when I was actively growing it and as low as zero when I first started. And honestly, I don't, I don't care how big my newsletter is anymore. I'm like, you know what? It's been big. It's been small. It's what it, it is, what it is right now. And I'm kind of like, I don't care if people ask, I don't care telling people it just, it's just, yep. Anyway, goodbye. Um, I don't think the loyalty of a reader is something you should be measuring with their willingness to buy at full price. I think a loyal reader is a reader who gets all of your books or most of them year after year. Like how, if they stay with you as a, as a reader, then they're a loyal reader. Uh, I don't care if they did it on KU or as a full purchase price. I don't care if they got it at a library. Uh, a reader is a reader if, and they're, uh, they're loyal if they stick with you. Uh, they all, all these things help the rank unless they're buying used books as like paperbacks. But I think it's a pretty small percentage in terms of what we're talking about here. And even those, you want them because they also have uh, word of mouth. Like they all spread the word. They enjoy your stories. They hopefully motivate you with, with kind words. They probably send like leave reviews in, in various places. Um, they're not dead weight on a newsletter unless you started on KU, acquired a gigantic number of KU readers who are exclusive to KU, and then went wide and stopped doing anything on KU, and those people just stopped uh, uh, buying books. Like those are the only times when when a KU reader would be considered dead weight on your on your newsletter. And I'm pretty sure that if somebody just was getting your newsletter every time a new book came out or every time you send a newsletter and had absolutely no interest in it, uh, they would probably unsubscribe. So probably they wouldn't be dead weight for very long. Um, and as it turns, uh, you know, the actual size of my newsletter, it, I, it hovers around three of only a, a mere 3000 right now. Like I have, I have not aggressively built it in years. It's entirely organic at this point. And therefore it's got a pretty high uh, open rate and download rate. I'm happy with where it is. 
Uh, I've had it as high as uh, 8,000. I think I hit 12,000 at one point, but I did some pretty substantial pruning when I found that one or two of the, uh, the promos that got me to there had given me a tremendous amount of dead weight that came from people who were not loyal readers. They only wanted the one free book that I was giving away as a part of that, uh, that promotion. And uh, then just had me on their gigant probably had used a burner email address that was just getting endless numbers of these free uh, newsletter things so uh i went through and and very carefully it was like a multi-month process of uh, of feeling out how many people were actually just not opening my stuff and uh, got rid of those so yeah i i uh i haven't put as much focus on building the newsletter it stays at about three thousand now uh between new people signing up organically and people dropping off after, because there's always someone who drops off after every single time you send an email. Usually with complaints. Yeah. I'm like, what newsletter service or what email provider do you have that I do not have? Cause I want to complain about some of the stuff I get, but there's no reason anybody should complain when there's a big old unsubscribe link. But anyway, um, so I have got, I went and checked just for this 14,000 on the fantasy list and 16,000 on the sci-fi one. Definitely some people that are on both. So keep that in mind. I have not ever tried to get anyone onto my list who hasn't read at least one book. You have to read the book and get to the end to like get promoted the link. Um, it is on my website, but nobody can ever find it. I think I finally made it more prominent. I've got it now on the header <laughs> for the whole site. Um, but so it's not a huge list compared to some people. Uh, you know, and it's definitely, it's, it would be smaller if you take into consideration that I haven't ever bothered calling them. Uh, it's just, I'm kind of lazy. It's too much work. And I don't pay piles for my mailing list hosting. So I don't care about that. I've I talked about before how I've been with AWeber since like 2006. So I'm on this old grandfathered pl plan that isn't very expensive. Um, as far as KU people being dead weight, I do not think that way. I like uh, Joe and Andrea said, even if people are getting your books for free from the library or they're just reading your free books, that doesn't mean they're not going to recommend them to somebody else. Often the people who are, you know, often people without a lot of money are younger and they're also tend to be really active on social media. So they may be your biggest fans in helping you sell books, even though they are not themselves buying books or they're only, you know, paying for the KU subscription. So try to think of them that way. I actually, I don't separate them though. If you are going to, kind of straddle the fence like I do. I don't think that's a bad idea. I mean, if I had it to do over again, I might have like an Amazon list and then a, a list for people who came in via link from the back of the book on the other sites. Because I know now people get frustrated that the wide readers get frustrated when I'm like, Hey, another release and exclusive to Amazon. Hey, here's another one. Oh, how about another one this month? And I get emails from them like, really, when are you going to put this on Barnes and Noble? So I actually think that's a fabulous idea if you think of it and, and can do it when you're kind of earlier on and, and wouldn't have to do something huge and complicated. Um, I, I do figure though I'm I probably will not always do Amazon exclusivity. They'll probably get a point where I just, I don't care that much if, uh, what the ranking is or how many books I sell or if I make more money doing it that way. I foresee getting to that point. So I'm not necessarily going to arrange my newsletters in that way now, but it is something to consider if you are kind of doing both. Um, I will say as far as like, who your preferred readers are, who you want to spend the most of your time and energy with. I would probably jump through a few more hoops to accommodate someone who's giving me $10 a month on Patreon or just buying the books full price. But like I said, fans are fans and word of mouth is powerful. So, so you never, you know, 
never dismiss anybody, I would say, just because it's just, it's not like they don't love you. They just probably don't have the money to buy extra books and that's nobody's fault. Uh, as for KU people buying books, this is one of those things where it's impossible to know unless someone tells you. I have had numerous instances like that where people have said they first read the books in KU and then they, they really liked them. So they bought permanent copies. And I think you might get that more often if you don't leave things in KU indefinitely. I think I talked about that last time too. Uh, possibly a reason not to be all in with the subscription services is that people realize they got to get it if they want it in this time period. And then if they decide they want to really read it again later, uh, they got to go buy it. So that may be an argument. Um, but yeah, because if they read them, if you're just in KU all the time and they read them again, Again, two years later, I don't think you get paid again. I think you get credit. That'd be too easily gamed. So I'm guessing it's a one-time only thing in KU. But the, again, it's up to you. We're not trying to like sway you guys either way, especially me since I'm doing both. <laughs> All right, next question. Andrea will read it. Yep, Melissa says, is it recommended that books that are kept in KU be long books, say 100,000 or words or more to make the page read rates worth it? Or can shorter books also make pretty good money in KU? Uh, I would say shorter books can definitely make really good money. My books are around 45 to 55,000 and they've made really good money in KU in the past. Um, I say what makes the difference is if you have readers who want your, want your books, a genre that handles the length you write. And if you're releasing books frequently, frequently enough for KU to favor them, uh, it takes the same amount of, I mean, hundred thousand words actually would, I would say it takes a little bit less time to write a one book's hundred thousand words versus two books that are 50,000 words because you have to start the story over again from scratch. But I mean, in my case, it's easier and faster to write shorter books and you're still putting out the same amount of words. Okay. There's a lot that goes into that. Like it's hard to get people to start a new book sometimes, but, uh, but it is definitely possible to make money on shorter books. Uh, yeah, long, like we said earlier, long books make more money per read because you get paid per page, but short books are ideally quicker to write and thus can build a bigger catalog faster. Remember, you got long tail to think of in all this, uh, three hundred, three fifty thousand word novels will earn the same if fully read as 150,000 word behemoth in terms of page reads, uh, naturally this assumes that the three books are going to have a hundred percent read through, which they won't, but a decent series is going to have high nineties and read through from books two onward. So you're not going to see too much attrition over, over the series. And, uh, you'll probably see something, you know, comparable. Plus the three shorter books have three launches and thus you can build momentum. Like we're talking, there's a reason we often talk about rapid release. And if you're, you know, exclusive on Amazon, Amazon is a place where rapid release has the greatest effect. So you, whereas you might be losing the over, you know, the, the money on page reads for a long book, you're gaining, uh, just the state, keeping a book in the hot new reads section and, and all the other stuff we've, we've spoken about dozens of times. I will fully admit that when I, like, I released a couple of books last year that were around 150,000 words, it's like, oh, yeah, that one's making good money. And then I released, like, a prequel that was, like, 60,000. I was like, oh, man, that one sucks. <laughs> so I, it, it's true that one takes longer to write than the other. But, yeah, it's a lot more noticeable on the longer books, the, the page read income. But I don't really think that should be too much of like part of the decision. It's really more about if being exclusive, if being in KU helps you get, get more visible in the store, get more readers and make more money overall than kind of about individual book length 
and how much a read is worth. Like if you get 10 borrows when you only would have gotten one sale before, then you're going to come out ahead at almost any length. But for those who are curious, I was curious. Books do have to be pretty long to make more than they would from a sale unless you're selling at a really low price. I went and checked in for my space opera, the last one that was like 154,000 words. And that one is 769 KENPC, which at, let's just say, 0.0045 is kind of a rate we often get. It ends up being just under 350 for a full read. So, and I sell that one for 499. So that is actually about 350 also that goes into my pocket. So that's right around the break even point of when anything above that is going to be worth the read. Full read will actually be worth more than the sale. So that's why you see, like, I like the box sets, <laughs> you know, especially if it's a second, it's like a series that already did good in KU and the, but things have tapered off a little. I'm working on something else. That's when I would do like that complete series box set or, or the first three books um, because you can start to get more from the read than you do from the sale, at least as of the time of this recording. So, you know, if you like to, sh if, but if you do like to write short stuff, realize too that you probably have a lot of KU subscribers uh, that are because they read so many uh, because they're short. They can read like a book a day or three books a day. <laughs> they're romance readers who have amazing powers. Um, so, that's something to consider too. The shorter books, you're probably more likely to have more KU subscribers. I don't think it's a coincidence that like the historical fiction has fewer perhaps KU subscribers in the genre because those might take all months to finish reading. All right, next question. All right, uh, Heather says, uh, I love any firm data on if slash when BookBub deal ads actually accept KU books versus wide. Also data as to how long it takes to establish a series wide and if might be genre dependent, it can make more money wide. I love this data for BookBub too. <laughs> um, I recommend you analyze it yourself for your genre uh, because the data you're going to find, if some, if it is available for your genre, is probably going to be outdated. So make sure to do that. You want to make sure you're subscribed to the genre you want and check regularly because BookBub changes things like constantly, at least once a year. And that's feels constant to me because I don't check that often. Um, and you'll look, you'll go there, you'll look and see what their genre is that you want to be subscribed to. Make sure you're subscribed to it for a couple of months, then go through your emails and see which books are in Kindle limited and which aren't. And of course there's going to be lurking variables, books that come in and out of Kindle limited, but it'll still give you an idea. My guess for my genres, it's about 10 to 20% of books get accepted that are in Kindle limited. That again, isn't firm data. Um, as to how long it takes to establish a series, there's a lot of variables. It could be years. It could be a few months. The issue with whether it makes more money that way or not is a lot of the time based on how patient an author is and how much time they invest into building a wide audience and getting reviews on the other retailers. Um, I'm going to start this by saying my only anecdotal evidence of what myself is that, yes, I found it harder to get book bubs on books that are exclusive to Amazon, but I've also found it harder in general to get book bubs probably the last couple of years. I've seen a lot of trad published books. <laughs> they want to give me, if they accept me, they want to give me the international one. I'm like, uh, I'm not sure it's worth all the price drops and stuff for, for that. I usually reject those. Um, that said, I had one KU book get picked up a couple of years ago for a full on full everywhere deal. And they've also offered me the international deals on a KU box set a few times. So it doesn't hurt to try. It's, it's not a never thing, but it, you know, I, I do think it's harder and that they prefer the, the wide books. Uh, as far as how long it takes to get established, gosh, I don't know, 10 years for me. And <laughs> like I said, if you start publishing wide, things drop off. So that is something to realize too, that, uh, 
it's not forever. Anything you work on, you got to kind of consistently putting, be putting stuff out there and, um, continue to work on running promos to your book ones. You know, if you can, if you can get the book up, great. That can definitely, um, kickstart things for people. And I suspect the people that do go in and out of wide and KU is because they try to go wide to get a book club and then things peter off eventually. And they're like, Oh, not selling anymore. I guess I'll go back into KDP select. So, uh, I would try to, you know, it's great if you can get those book clubs, but not, you know, it's great if you get them. It's kind of like winning the lottery at this point almost. So, uh, but don't depend on them. Don't, don't go wide just because you want to get a book club because it may not happen. <laughs> so then you're wide and then you're struggling and maybe you weren't before. Uh, so yeah, plan to go wide because it's what you want to do. I don't think I ever successfully got a book bub ad on a KU book, but again, this is very limited pool in my case. So don't, 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 uh, take that for much. It's hard for me to measure how long it takes to get established wide because I have always been wide. Uh, it took me probably six to eight books to start making money that I would consider reasonable enough to be a full-time author. Uh, so that was about three years, two or three years. Um, as for when it will make more money wide than KU, I think if you've got your advertising and promo game down, you stay on top of things and keep them ranking, chances are a, a book in KU will always do better than a book wide, apples to apples. But if you're not an ad machine, uh, moving a book that's reached its long tail status, like it's past the juiciest point of sales on Amazon over to the other stores, will produce multiple long tails. And uh, that's, you know, in the long run, it, it, it might, you know, add up to a fair, a fairly substantial increase to your income. So if you're playing a long game, wide is a thing to think about. All right. We may just do one or two more questions since I think we've been going for an hour here. Uh, Phoenix says, right now I'm in KU. Is the drop-off in page reads the only indicator to consider going wide? Since so much is talked about the next book or series being the best thing to grow your readership, should a new author wait several series before pulling, assuming no changes in the landscape? Personally, I would wait a bit before jumping ship. Uh, most of my books aren't cur are currently in KU, and I plan to keep them there for at least two, if not three or four years. They've been there since November 2019. Uh, the problem with going wide before you're ready as a new author who started in KU is you'll probably be doing it because sales are dropping. It's a lot easier to figure out sales for one store than it is for multiple. And yes, new releases really do trigger most authors' backlist downloads. And it does take time for things to go anywhere with wide stores. So make sure you have enough books to make a better splash wide before you try it. Also make sure you're doing it for the right reasons, not out of desperation, because uh, it's a lot easier to get discouraged. And this is not to Phoenix. This is to everybody. I'm not saying Phoenix, you're like desperation, desperate and all that. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that I've been there and it's a lot easier to get discouraged if things go poorly, if you're already in a discouraged state. So I don't know, but that said, sometimes a change really is necessary. So you kind of just have to fill it out for yourself and recognize that life goes on. I don't know. You're going to be an author for 20 years, not just the next couple of months. Um, I would say that there's value in having at least a second full series out before pulling one of them from KU and putting it wide, especially if you've depended on KU for most of that time or all of that time. Like if you're, the bulk of your income comes from KU and KU-related stuff. Uh, you'll want at least one KU cash cow continuing to earn money while you're experimenting with wide. But if your page reads have dropped to negligible and you're not seeing good ranks on the books, uh, even 
with periodic juicing from promos, you don't really have much to lose by taking it wide. Although I would consider making sure the people who are fans of that series be very well informed that it's about to go wide, just in case there's some KU folks who are on the fence about finishing. You can sort of spur them to complete. Yeah, I think the thing to consider is less like, are your page reads dwindling and more like, do you want to be a wide author? I mean, the people who go wide, it should be because you don't want to be exclusive to Amazon. You want to, you know, sell to everyone. Not Like I said in the last one, not just to get a book bub. You know, you should, that should be what you want and kind of be your core philosophy. If you don't care about that, you know, that's fine too. A lot of people are just all in with KDP Select, KU, because they make a lot of their, you know, by having their whole catalog in. It's definitely easier to get the all-star bonuses if your whole catalog is contributing. And like in my case, I started wide. So that's why like, I already had readers wide five years before KDP Select became a thing. So that's why I've always felt the pressure to eventually take my books uh, out and wide and make them available to everyone. But I, like I said before, I don't want to be exclusive. I'm very grudgingly doing it with new releases because it is, it, it did prove to be such a difference for me. And that may not be the case for everyone else, or, you know, but both in the money at the launch and the fact that I was able to kind of keep the series selling longer and in the charge longer after the launch. Um, but I think I've said before, I was making good 80% of my income from Amazon already when I was wide. And that was after years of doing all the things, all the promos and all the places. It's just uh, for my particular space opera, you know, whatever I'm writing, <laughs> big fantasy, steampunk. I've been in a few categories at this point. Um, and for my readership, they just tended to be Amazon dominated already. So that's why it made sense for me. Um, but I would say, if you're in there now and it's helping you and you don't mind being in there, you know, it's just, you don't care whether you're white or not, you know, stay in, <laughs> take advantage of it. But if you're not making a lot from page reads and you're not getting a lot of extra organic sales, then that's when maybe you want to try wide. And yeah, there's nothing wrong with waiting till you've done a couple series. What you may find is you want to do something like I'm doing, like your newer series, do it in KU and eventually make it wide and just try it that, you know, you don't have to commit. You don't have to be all in one way or the other. You can have some series wide, some in KU. And, you know, if after a time you find out that one is not right for you, you can go back to the other one. We were just saying, don't go in and out every 90 days or even every year, probably, you know, give it a good shot before you uh, change things up again. But um, yeah, I do say that when I see somebody, a book that's ranking like a million in the, K- in the store and they're in KU, I'm like, why? <laughs> Being exclusive isn't doing anything for you at that point. So why just sign your soul away to Amazon? Why not try the other stores? Make sure you're there for a reason. That just like it's fine to try if you're just getting started and you don't want to stress about all the stores that's fine but eventually it's time to like check out the other stores if that's of interest to you and ku uh exclusivity is not doing a whole lot for you um yeah i guess that's a good rambling way we had several more questions we were going to answer but we've kind of gone on do you guys have any final thoughts we will um i guess we'll fig- figure out a small topic for next week and then maybe also finish answering the questions because i thought there were some good questions in here just sounds good to me sorry joe go ahead yeah we'll we'll uh, we'll pick this up where we left off when we get the opportunity because there are some good questions coming up in the rest of the sheet here guys we should seriously try an unscripted episode and see how much we stumble over each other and ourselves <laughs> i don't know i feel like we stumble more because we have written everything down first like i'll be reading what i answer yes i want to sound like articulate this is why i hate giving speeches because you kind of got to memorize what you're going to say honestly i think i do better in interviews where i don't know where the questions are but it is hard with three people because it's you don't want a whole lot of like 
talking over each other. So and plus we, we answer each other, we answer like the same thing. And if you're like, I'm going to say this and you don't know that somebody else is saying it, then you don't know what you're going to say and you're going to be scrambling. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully it is working for folks and thank you for listening. And thank you to Joshua Pearson for producing the show. You can find the show notes or leave a comment or question at sixfigureauthors.com with the number six. We are, we do have the Facebook group, uh, Six Figure Authors. Search for us on Facebook or I'll put a link in the show notes. Episode 83. Have a great week, everyone. See y'all later. So long, everybody.